Welcome back in with Josh on Plank. It's kind of funny. Every single time I look up, the only highlight being shown is Golden State Sacramento. Treating it like it's the only game that was played last night in the NBA. Well, I don't know if it's just it? my timing. <laughs> Thunder did lose last night if you happen to crash early. The in-season tournament has not been their thing. It's not been their thing. Yeah, they uh, are they 0-2 now? They won one game. I think they're like 1-4. and four. Oh, okay. Have they played that many in-season Yeah, tournaments? I know, right? And they slide them into the most random of times. Looked like they were going to win early on. Yeah, just... in fact, that's when I kind of tapped out on the game. I was like, oh, well, it looks like they're going to win. First half, it was like they might roll away. And then <laughs> second half, uh, not so much. Oh, my gosh. All right. Um, back to the phones. 405-651-3439. Miss. Oh, I'm sorry. True Sooner. What's up, True Sooner? How are you? What's going on, man? Hey, how much? For for some reason, though, they got extended those extra games. I don't know how that works, but they get to they've added a Golden State game again in, in the uh, at the Chesapeake or Paycom, what do they call it now? So I guess the one win got them into the play-in type. I don't know how that works. I, I listen. Them. I don't even want to know. I don't want to try. It's BCS. <laughs> Tell me when it gets to the finals, and BCS, I'll be ready to go. That's all it is. True. I'm trying to keep so, uh, OKC so, in. Right. So, okay, so if one thing is – what is the saying? One thing is for sure in life, death, taxes, people want their backup quarterback and people want the OC coordinator gone, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the four things that are for sure in life. But, man, I just got to say, this this is the safest thing. I, you know, you guys said uh, continuity. You know, this, this hire, these hires are the safest thing right now. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you make – all these hires aren't in a vacuum – I mean, it depends on wh- where you're at in the big picture, what part of the, you know, it's BV's third year going into his third year. You know, you, you bring in somebody like the UNLV guy or bring in somebody, they're going to want their own guys. And is that one guy worth losing, which looks like there's a bunch of stars on this staff, right? So, I mean, sure. you're, rolling the di- you're rolling the dice. And, I mean, do you want a chance losing, you know, Murray? Do you want to? you know, possibly lose, you know, Seth Luttrell, these guys for one guy that may not work out. And I realize the other guys may not work too, but I think continent, you know, Jackson Arnold, I mean, he's not the only one they could lose. They could lose some of those receivers. They could lose, they could lose the kid out of Carl Albert. That's uh, the number one running back in the, in the state. I mean, or the country Tatum, I guess he's out of Texas. Anyway, I just think for continuity, this this where this program is at right now, this is the safest, most logical thing they could do, that BB can do. I, I agree, and it also shows, I think, a couple of things. It shows a, a confidence in the guys that are in that in that building, and that, even though Seth hasn't been there both years, whenever he came in, it, it, the limited amount of stuff he could do, it made an impact. And I think number two, and, and maybe this is the most – it, I, I still contend I think it's one of the coolest things and maybe one of the most important things about it is you have set up a plan, right? You feel good about if Seth gets a job. And, you know, I saw someone because I had brought up, hey, what if you know, some of these guys in the defensive staff, they try to pluck them for other jobs? Maybe that succession plan is already in place on the defensive yeah. side of the football, right, with a Brandon Hall yeah. or a lot of people Jay feel Bly. that way. Yeah. What, what are the, let me ask you one more thing. What are the chances that I, I know it was a hectic day after the levy situation with the, with with Bryles and all mm-hmm. that, what you know, it was a long day. I you know, if, if you believe some of the sources out there, you know, Levy was close to getting fired that day. Castiglione was not happy, right? Mm-hmm. So, what are the chances Castiglione said, "Look, we're not going to make this embarrassing for you. 
you know, we're going to finish the year out, but you, we need to figure something else out for next year. Okay. Now, we already had one situation where allegedly they were told, yeah, we're not renewing this guy's contract. Okay. Right. That we we all know that that's that already happened once, but I could not. My understanding of it was that while defiant in the media and defiant in a lot of ways on social media, there was a true understanding, and I don't want to say an apology, but just a hey, I'm sorry. We'll we'll make sure it doesn't happen again. So I again. I don't think there was any scenario true where someone had said, Levy can't come back or you need to move on. But I also, you know, nothing would surprise me anymore in this world, especially in the sports world. And I think it's safe to say that there's no doubt the uh, athletic department was very, very upset. Oh, absolutely. Hey, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I mean, you you go up and down, and I I had brought up, I just, everyone was so excited to get Jeff Levy here. Do you remember? I mean, it was fairly universal, but. Would, I was oh, asked this question the other day. Was that a home run hire, Jeff Levy? I thought so at the time. I, I said still yes. think so. I mean, that was like the first name anybody brought up, right? We got to get Levy. We got to get Levy. And, and you got him. And then, you know, you also, there would be some that would say, like, remember the Bryles ties? Don't care. Give him the job, right? I mean, and now. He came with baggage. That was understood. I. Those of you, because I had brought up earlier that I think some of the disdain was that there were just people that didn't like Jeff Levy. And well, and this year's Bryles incident just did not help. And ninety percent of the people after I said that was like, "Well, when you're defiant after that." So I, and again, I'm not mocking anyone here. It's just some would say, "Well, he said that's my father-in-law." And I'm like, "Well, I, like I said, I don't know. I don't know Jeff's relationship with Art. I from from everything that I've been told, it's incredibly close, and in that it's almost as if he's become a father to him. And regardless of how you feel about Art Bryles, I mean, he has his feelings and his love for sure. him. So I mean, that's family. That's family. But I don't, I don't think it was a hey, Jeff's got to get out of here because of that. That's just my opinion, and I could be wrong. But I have seen that a lot. I've seen that a lot on social media over the last few days. Well, and that would be from the Masato line of thinking That's to right. some degree, right? Is, That's right. Hey, here's your favor. Do you know what? We should get Joe on. I haven't talked to Joe since he's become a columnist or has emerged into the role of a columnist because I think that there was a lot of people that read that article and were saying amen. And they were the same people probably – Two years ago, that were saying we got to get this guy, we got to go get Jeff Levy. It uh, definitely generated a reaction, which is the yeah, it's the point intended. Uh, well, result, uh, and and I don't think he's dead wrong. I mean, look, there's we, we got some of that feedback though too after the the Bryles situation. That was well, he's he's right that it, that is family. So why are you upset about it? That's true. And, and so I mean, there's two sides to that coin here. Now I, I would. Just judging the reaction that we get, I do think it was maybe – I'm not saying wildly slanted, but I do think more felt that they weren't down with the defiance afterwards than maybe was the faction that said, well, that is his father-in-law, and it's not surprising to see him go defend family. I got a – sorry, Honolulu Sooner. 
This was from a source. We were talking because we were having a conversation about this. Yeah, you're gonna. Honolulu has uh, become a star. You're gonna have to wear that one, Honolulu, sooner. Um, I got a text from somebody when we were talking about this exact situation on Monday. Hey, you know, Jeff's gone, and immediately Coach Levy's gone. Immediately, it comes from the. People are like, yeah, good riddance. His Art Brile stuff, the defiance of that, get him out of here. I want to share this. Okay. Because I, I, I found this to be so on point and so fascinating. Um, do you think Lebby goes so he can be defiant? That's him. It's the Bryles coaching DNA. All those guys are the same. In other words, well, I love Jeff. I mean, you guys know this. I hope I've made that very clear. I, I thought he was awesome, and he was great to us as a show, and he was great to us post-game. Never missed it and was always good with his answers. So that, yes, very much homeristic. I like Jeff, but I could see that. All right, let's go down that list of some of these guys. Philip Montgomery. TU fans, pretty defined dude in certain things, right? Pretty, I don't want to say standoffish, but they all kind of have that. I mean, even Art Bryles, for goodness sakes, right? They all kind of have that. Well, I don't, I, I don't I, care what you say. I, I do think there is a there's a layer of that's positive for a football coach and for a football program because you can't at every twist and turn – bow down to the the public right <laughs> but generally speaking I mean obviously this is a nuanced layered conversation when we're talking about our browsers on the field at Oklahoma and then you mix in the defiance that's and I told you the other day mm -hmm. that would have been to me concerning if I'm Zach Selman yep. making that hire and he has to be fully aware of that right because here you've attached yourself to Jeff Levy who has this this trait with him that he's going to be a little bit defiant and I'm not going to bow down at every twist and turn to maybe what the public wants, that's uh, not necessarily always a great trait. And yet, you know, I do see it as, you know, a football coach, you got to stick to your beliefs right. at times too. So I, I don't know. It's uh, it, I will say this much. It is, it is fascinating, A, how fired up many of you still are about this and B, how incredibly uninformed many of you are about this, too. I mean, it's like, whoa, hold on here. That's that's not the case. But at 5 and 0 makes an interesting point. I don't think Levy would have went to a school with a former OU athletic director employee if Joe C would have been that upset. Well, I mean, let's also – let's pause this just for a moment. Zach Selman's his own guy. Things that might be more upsetting to a former employer might not be as upsetting to him. Sure. I don't think that tie did – you know, how? what were the conversations like between Zach and Joe? Hey, man, do you think this guy can be a head coach? Does that conversation even take place, right? Is, is, is Zach so set in his way? We're spending a lot of time talking about Levy here, and I know for some of you guys you get angry, but we're putting the end of the Levy era. We're putting the exclamation point on it right now, and we're moving on. Yeah, you contextualizing right, it. Right, trying to just get a little bit of – Perspective. I don't, in my opinion, you know, have bad feelings or anything about the Jeff Levy era. 
it was still a, a, a very fun offense, and Dylan Gabriel was amazing. And as I've said a thousand times, he has laid the groundwork for what looks to be the quarterback position for years to come here at this program, from Jackson Arnold to Hawkins to Sperry. By the way, the only way I ever remember Sperry, Kevin Sperry's name is because I think of T.J. Perry. And I'm like, with a Perry kid. Oh, Sperry. No offense, Kevin. Hope you don't take it that way. But my point is, there's been a lot of good. But for some of you, man, that bad, that has overwhelmed the uh, the two years that a prodigal son, an OU alum, had returned to help set the foundation for a new era of OU football. And you were also excited about it. And now two years later, you can't get him out the door quickly enough. One too many losses collectively the last couple of seasons. And, and the texter earlier was right in saying, why is there not more blame defensively? Why is there not more blame on the special teams? Why has so much of it gotten attached to Levy and the offense? Key moments, though. They failed to deliver, right? Right. And uh, and that's why you see a lot of that. And the offensive play caller is an easy guy to attach a lot of your frustration still. Even though it has been and probably for a little while longer will continue to be larger than, okay, bad play call here. That's right. Boy, I, I have just – I love it. I, I love seeing the passion that you guys have for this conversation. I really do. Because there's going to be a time and a place – let's see. When does it get kind of slow for us? Maybe about mid-December, right? You take your pick, man. It's Maybe like a month from now. What What is today? It's, December or November 30th? Is today the 30th? 29th. Today's the 29th. It's right? rarely slow. Well, that's that's fair point. But after Oklahoma puts an end on its signing period, after that, um, I think we'll have a fascinating conversation about how the Jeff Levy era will be remembered. Because, again, it's an incredible run, guys. Play callers for Oklahoma get head coaching jobs. It's just the reality of it. And even co-offensive coordinators, right, get it head will, coaches jobs. It will get remembered in part by how – successful or unsuccessful he is in Mississippi yeah State. I think that's a major part of this too if Jeff Lebby goes to Mississippi State and suddenly they win nine or ten games and it's a consistently good thing it's like that's our guy it's Lebs right if he doesn't it's told you guys he was trash Kind of like Trey Young. Oh, it's the, the first time that they go three and out and uh, Oklahoma stacks back-to-back scoring drives on them is going to be a great time on social media. Can't wait for that. That'll be exciting. Uh, okay, okay. When we come back, let's hit the text line. Uh, on the Seth Luttrell, Joe John Finley elevation, they will be the new co-offensive coordinators for Oklahoma. So, in other words, as it stands right now, and we got a long way to go in the offseason, looks as if that offensive staff will stay in place, and it looks like – You'll have some consistency heading into year one of the SEC. It's the Plank Show right here on The Ref. Welcome back, everyone. It's the Plank Show. Fun day here as we react to the big breaking news from last night. Credit to uh, George Stoya, the uh, breaking report from Sooner Scoop. Co-offensive coordinators, Seth Luttrell, he's your play caller. Joe John Finley is a co-offensive coordinator. That uh, The big news in Sooner football, we welcome you back. It's the Plank Show, hour number two, brought to us by Allison Insurance. 
allisoninsurance.com. Number to call 405-745-2968. Bob and Robert Allison. They can find the needs to best fit you and your office for insurance. Allison Insurance, they've been helping you and your family for over 60 years. Well, we've got uh, all sorts of reaction out there I'm from sitting Sooner here Nation. talking with my mic off. I'm sorry. I was busy gossiping during the break. Yes, hit that button. Sorry about that. Kidippemeyer Chevrolet, text line 405-651-3439. K.A. in B.A., while I'm happy with the hire and promoting a couple alumni, I sure hope the fan base treats them better than they have the last couple of alumni OCs. <laughs> well, look, they're not going to. No. Unless it's great. And you know what? The, the OC position – it just it is what it is. You got a target on your back. It's an easy person to assign blame to when things go wrong. It's it's like the texter said earlier. You got the 80th total defense, the 41st scoring defense, a special teams unit that has been an a failure, right? right. A disaster this season. And uh look, I'm not excusing Levy or the offense. In key moments, they weren't good, right? They they directly played a strong hand in losing uh, the two games you lost this season yet Look, the, the reason Oklahoma's not been great is not strictly a bad offensive play caller at no. times. In fact, offensive play calling for the most part has been pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's the two moments when they weren't that everyone loses their mind. So funny. It's like he lost us two games. Well, wh- where would Oklahoma have been without that offense against TCU on Black Friday? I mean, how, how would that have played out, right? It's just I, I feel like there is enough, if you will. Where would Oklahoma be without that offense against UCF? You, know, you want to complain about oh it lost us two games. Well, I mean more, more often than not, it was there to help add to the success too. I don't know why I'm being so melodramatic about it. It's, I mean it's real simple to say it. I think sometimes people see in stats that that. Fit their, fit their narrative, those are what matter to them, not kind of stepping back. I've had this horrible curse, Josh. I get made fun of it a lot. It's a terrible thing. A terrible thing. I can see both sides of an argument. It's horrible. Yeah, we don't have to live in absolutes. I, I don't live in absolutes. I don't. There's gray areas to just about everything. Well, it's like this text right here from – Iceman out of the 405. Wait a minute. It's not just because of the two losses. There were several other games where there's questionable play calling and the defense won them those games. What are you going to look at? BYU? That'd be fair, but you also lost your starting quarterback. Field was a mess. And, and maybe they're just talking the entirety, not just this season, but the last oh, two years. Because I would say show your work on that. That that's I mean again I'm not arguing with you Iceman 405 it's just I feel like that they kind of complemented each other well outside of the Kansas game and the OSU game and then the TCU and the UCF game and they're not gonna they weren't very good consistently against SMU so that might be one that you want to throw in my Cincinnati face Cincinnati was was not was a little bit not of great. a mess right special teams hurt him a lot against Cincinnati too. But do they win Texas without their offense? And you know, I'm just I, – I feel like we could have this fight all day long. The consistency of it. Oklahoma finished this season conference only 
as the the top offense in, in the right. Big Twelve, and yet you kind of say, okay, Iowa State, Texas, right? That'd be back to back games where offensively OU was really really good. But find me the other string of games in a row where Oklahoma was consistently good offensively. Now the yeah, BYU, tough. the BYU game, obviously you lose your starting quarterback, so inherent challenge there, right? Why you, you didn't string performances together, but it, it was not as much as many yards and points as they rolled up. It, it did feel like week to week it wasn't consistently great. Right. No, I'm not. Listen, I'm not arguing with you. So, You're right, but I just. I think whenever we're so quick to dump all over, it's like, oh, they cost us games. I'm like, well, they won quite a few games for them, too. Well, and the other side of that is, why are we excusing defense and special teams? Because it doesn't fit the narrative. Um, can, can I hit this text? It's from Clint. Please. Fitty Clint in UConn. It takes us. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. This is from the 918. Look, I'll get to yours in a second, Fitty Clint. Takes us in a little bit of a different direction. It's especially sad that Billy Bowman is not being considered for the Thorpe Award, an award that's given by an Oklahoma-based company, uh, an Oklahoma-based athletic group, and Paycom. Now, I'm not saying that they need to always... Keep it local. Right, keep it local. But, yeah, I thought that was a little bit ridiculous. Now, I don't get too mad about postseason awards. I try not to. But I thought Billy Bowman at least deserved to be a finalist for Who, uh, the Thorpe Award. One of your Indiana or one of your Iowa guys. Cooper DeGene the definitely deserves to be yeah. there. But who else was a part of it? Um, oh, it was all over my Twitter timeline. And now that you mention it, I don't have it. Let me. Someone had put together. But and Paycom. Hold on, let me, let me pause for a second. Back up. The Thorpe Award, and I'm not even kidding. And this isn't a knock on him. But I found an invitation to be a voter in my junk email like three years ago. Oh, really? So I don't know how they decide their voters or if they just sent out. But somehow on my Clear Channel, old Clear Channel website, there was a thing, hey, be a Thorpe Award voter, and it had gone to my junk email. So I don't know who's voting on this Congratulations. Thing. Thank you. Um, obviously, I have taken incredible uh, confidence in this and in, in being that guy. But, no, I um, – <laughs> I don't know what their voting process looks like. I don't know how many people are involved in the voting side of it, but it seems as if we we got a little bit of a shaft for old Billy Bowman on that one. Here, I just saw this. I mean, you you got three pick sixes. You yeah have a chance to be in the conversation, and, and it's obviously his. Oh, here it is. Production's larger than that. It was uh, Cooper DeGene, Malachi Starks, a safety out of Georgia, and Trey Taylor, a safety out of the Air Force Academy. All, all with comparable numbers, right? Yeah, and, and I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I don't know how to uh, – don't know much about the kid from Air Force. More tackles and solo tackles than DeGene and Starks. DeGene um, was lost for the last two games. Yeah, he season. got hurt in week 10. Uh, do they have tackles for losses? Billy had three tackle for losses, um, four PBUs, which is less than the other two, six interceptions, which is the number of interceptions basically that all three had combined, three touchdowns. Yeah, a little bit frustrating. But I'm glad you brought that up because I was a little bit frustrated yeah, on that side. it stinks. Uh, you had a great season and don't get recognized there is, is disappointing. Um. One other quick text that kind of caught my eye from Spence in Tulsa. This is pretty good. He writes, we're so accustomed to the offense bailing us out 
are putting up 50 week in and week out under Lincoln Riley that the inconsistency on offense stood out more than any of the negatives on special teams or defense. I love that analogy. In other words, we're so used to the defense struggling the years prior to Brent Venables coming back, well, and last year, right, that the offense was always there to pick it up. Always there to pick it up. And lo and behold, the offense now is not necessarily what it was at times. Still good. Not what it was at times. Well, certainly not when you had two Heisman winners running. Right, right, exactly. And it just absolutely stands out, right? It's like, oh, okay. Um, well, this guy obviously sucks, so we need him fired. And <laughs> oh, it we took, need to go in another direction. Took a while to figure out running back this season, you know, based on health and a number of different things. So that was problematic. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Hey, uh, look at Jesse G getting really sportsy on us here. I don't know if I like these solid takes. I like the tomfoolery, Jesse. He writes, there is a very weird phenomenon of fans seeing a Sooner doing well and then wanting to bring them in. Then, when they are here in place, they are never good enough and just want to run them off. Not wanting to throw stones, but I question the football IQ of many of the vocal crowd. Not that I am Vince Lombardi. I hope and expect Seth to do well. I also expect for sale signs in his yard after three games. We only scored 40. What are we doing? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the, one of the very first texts that came into the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line was someone that said they should get Jason White to be the quarterback's coach. And I'm like, well, I, I like Jason. Jason's a great dude. He's not, not coached. I don't think he's ever been a coach, period. Yeah. But because we see him as a great player, it's like, oh, well, he can do it, right? Yeah. I got a text from one of my buddies. What last. do you make of Seth Luttrell as the quarterback's coach? Um, I, he's never coached quarterbacks before, so I find that to be fascinating. That That is uh, one piece of it that I can understand where people would have a little trepidation. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, where was this? I, I got a note whenever we were talking about, you know, Former Sooners coming in, and you know, it's like we gotta go get that guy. We gotta, we that guy. Oh, here, uh, super secret Textoso line, which really, really cracked me up. Uh, casual OU fans are making me cringe. <laughs> that's from like an R and diehard lives on the message boards. Like, yeah, sometimes when the casual, that's what we're here for, right? We probably cater to the casuals more than most. At least I think this show does. But it's also enraging whenever you're like, why is that guy yelling about X, Y, and Z whenever that's not even an issue anymore, right? <laughs> he was laying out all the things, uh, fire Levy, we need to run the wishbone, bring back Kale Gundy, Bob Stoops could save us. <laughs> Which, by the way, we are at the two-year anniversary today of Bob Stoops taking to the uh, dais and yeah. basically saying no one man is bigger than this program. Epic. Yeah. Historic moment. One of the – one of the greatest moments in OU football history, man. Maybe one of the greatest moments. Maybe the greatest moment in recent history, right? Because this could have gone one of two ways, right? This could have gone really bad. And lo and behold, it seems to be that we're heading on the right direction. Heavy is the head that uh, wears the crown in response to Jesse G. It, 
look, it, it doesn't take long for former Sooner and we don't care anymore. Get me results. If you're the OC, the fact that you're a former Sooner, I mean, that that's out the, the door as soon as you take the gig. Yeah, It absolutely. doesn't matter anymore. It's results. All right, 1035, uh, more of your text coming up on a reaction Wednesday right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. Oh, my goodness. Um, with Josh on Plank. Oh, you know, Big John, that's a good point. With the strong reaction of Bricks towards the Husker Big Rig, I think the new mission of the Roughnecks is to braid the schooner and the ponies in front of every five-star on our board. Those ponies will draw more attention than that uh, – more attention than a pile of puppies. Absolute recruiting silver bullet. Yeah, the Bricks kid committed last night to Nebraska – and that move that everybody clowned, which was Nebraska pulling, what, the semi out in front of their high school? <laughs> Football facility. Yeah, yeah. apparently was uh, was one of the difference makers for him. Is that which, what he said? Oh, I think it was rumor that it was. I, no I, way. Yeah, it, it made an impact. I don't ask Parker. That could be. Re- Parker would know. He had to drive up in the, in the middle of nowhere to watch the kid play. He should have committed to Oklahoma just because of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously uh, – <laughs> Staying closer to Iowa, I think, clearly had to have been a factor, sure, right? yeah. I, I don't think that there is. It's a huge get for Matt Rule and company. Yeah, and, and by the way, you know, Nebraska, if they can get a quarterback, might have something the next couple of years, right? The uh, transfer portal will be interesting to watch for the Huskers. Do you know, the transfer portal is starting to remind me a little bit of college football free agency, too, but then I can't dog on it. For instance, Bo Nix going to Oregon, right? I would have la- I would have I laughed. I'm like All this, right. this guy that couldn't cut it at Auburn. Good luck with this one. Uh Jaden Daniels going to LSU. I'm like I saw him in Arizona State. What's my dad saying? He couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. And, and remember some of the texts we've gotten. Right? The the only piece of business that needs uh, attending to is keeping Jackson on. Right, right. Well, I give you two examples right there of where coaching clearly has made sure. a humongous difference. But it's it's funny to me, Josh, because I'm just I like I see Cam Ward, who is the he is the Washington State quarterback. Uh-huh. And there was a report that he already has, you know, ten teams that are interested in him. And that the money could be in the seven-figure range. And I'm thinking to myself, for this guy, I watched Washington State. What what are you guys doing right now, right? Um, I keep wanting to say Walker Howard for some reason. Will Howard jumps in the portal of Kansas State. They've got their guy, right? They've got Avery Johnson for years to come. So Will Howard's like, I might turn pro, but let me see what I could get here. Sure. And so he throws his name in the portal, and apparently North Carolina and Auburn are already all over him. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, somebody that's played a lot of football. Yeah, and, and that's where I'm kind of torn because, like, I wouldn't want either one of those guys. I'd rather go with one of my youngsters, but in that same kind of line of thinking, I thought the same thing about Jane Daniels and Bo Nix, and they're probably both going to New York this year for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Yeah, touche. Yeah, I don't – I'm excited. I'm absolutely positively excited for the future of Oklahoma football. I'm even more excited that it doesn't appear as if we're going to be in a bidding process for any of these uh, quarterbacks in the portal. Now, I don't know what Oklahoma State's going to do. I don't know if we care about that anymore. 
they're going to get their asses kicked on Saturday. So that's you know that's going to be a tough. And I hate that for them, but. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do sound, at the quarterback it sounds position. Sounds like you hate that for them. No, I'm just, I'm just saying. I think they all know it. I think it's like, hey, we got here. We'll buy the tickets. We'll go celebrate. We'll take our kick in and just kind of laugh at Oklahoma that they're not here. Right? That's, that's kind of what I think this kind of really, truly levels out at. You're not in a good spot Saturday. In, so unless, what do they do at unless quarterback? Unless Alan Bowman does something that we don't. Unless Alan Bowman plays like he did against Oklahoma in the first half. <laughs> then you might have a different game. But. He was so bad in that first half versus BYU. I still don't know how they won that football game. I still have no uh, idea how they won that football BYU game. BYU stopped playing a win. Yeah. Jeez. Guess Jeff Levy was their offensive coordinator in the second <laughs> half, Josh. Kalani Levy. Um, two other quick texts here real quick before we break. Oklahoma Johnny. I think the big difference is that Brent Venables held himself accountable and admitted that he screwed something up. Levy just filled the air with excuses, so no pass given. Talking about the Bryles on the field I, incident? I, I think that and just in general, just in general, right, whenever things didn't go well, Jeff would be a guy that, I mean, even on the Drake Stoops play yeah, against threw, Oklahoma State, threw, threw Stoops, him under the bus. Yeah, threw him under the bus. I like Guy leads the Big 12 in receptions, and <laughs> <laughs> that's the guy that gets thrown under the bus. Um, And then Fitty Clint in UConn. Got absolutely trust BV on promoting the two in-house coaches. Keeping it stable is key. I'm excited about two guys that played at OU running the offense. Spoiler alert, um, two of the last three guys that ran the Oklahoma offense played at Oklahoma, and y'all couldn't stand Josh Heupel by the time he was done and Jeff Levy, too, by the time that he was done. But TJ really doesn't like Josh Heupel. I'm kind of worried about Heupel whenever he comes to town. I mean, like, it's legit. Pitchforks. Crazy. Uh, and then one more. This out of Tennessee, the 615. I think we need to be aggressive looking at the castaway head coaches, DCs, and OCs to bring in his analyst. Have to think we add one this offseason, right? Let's think about Well, Jimbo's not going to do anything, right? I mean, he's going to go sit at his ranches with his $70 million, I would Nor assume. should he. Dude, I'm, I would just disappear. I, was, I had a dream on my way. I was daydreaming on my way in, and I had a daydream that I won the lottery. I was trying to imagine who I would and wouldn't send a little money to and how I would do it anonymously, and then I would just disappear. Jimbo Fisher basically won the lottery. And I, I would just disappear if I was him. It's like, you guys remember Jimbo Fisher? It's like, who? You know, the guy that had the buyout? Yeah, I haven't heard from him in ages. That's what I would That's how I would be. Um, but, yeah, it's, as far as coaches that are out there, good, good, good point. And I think – BV's been pretty aggressive on that front. You know, he really pursued Matt Wells to bring Matt on board with them after Matt got fired at Tech. Because Matt Wells, I mean, there's another guy that had a pretty good buyout at Texas Tech. Probably doesn't have to coach again the rest of his life. But, you know, Jeff, or Jeff excuse me, Coach Venables is like, hey, I, I need a guy. I think he'd be great for it. And it's been a great relationship. You know, this is a guy that had been a head coach for many years at has kind of helped Coach Venables know, you know, certain things that need to be handled in the media and with boosters, and then obviously does a great job with officials. I think Seth Luttrell being added, obviously he's the offensive coordinator now. I think that was a strategic add as a as a fired head coach. So yeah, maybe maybe you're onto something. I like that six one five. Go out and find these guys, uh, and even the OCs and the DCs that have been let go from jobs. 
I mean, Mike Stoops is a great example of that. He went to Alabama for a couple of years, and now he's went from what FAU and not coaching with his brother at Kentucky. It's kind of revitalized his career. Great point. All right. Oh, it's already 1048. We got a break. Uh, we're talking with you all morning long about the new addition to the Oklahoma Sooner coaching staff, which is an all-too-familiar one. Brent Venables will elevate Jeff Lebby and Seth Luttrell as co-offensive coordinators. What do you think of the move? We're diving into it next right here on The Wrap. Ah, oh, thank you, Lloyd. Yes, I think Luttrell and Joe John elevated Lebby on his way to Michigan, or Mississippi State, obviously. But thank you, Lloyd. Appreciate you calling me out on it. K-Dub in the 918 might be the player of the game. If we had an award, if the elusive ham sandwich was available on a Wednesday, I think K-Dub in the 918 would be the leading candidate here on the Knippemeyer Chevrolet text line. With Josh Helmer, I'm Chris Plank. Thanks for hanging out with us on a Wednesday. Hump day. And we've learned that Joe John Finley and Seth Luttrell will be elevated to be co-offensive coordinators. Uh, we're going to have George Stoya on with us tomorrow. He broke the story last night. Parker broke the story as far as Seth Collin plays. So we got you covered all over here on The Ref. But here's K-Dubs. The Josh Helmer show is kicking right now. I have a theory on the OC fascination we have. Hear me out. Number one, everybody always wants to score and not defend. And number two, video games. We call all sorts of plays and formations on offense, so we think we know everything when it comes to offense. On defense, we have two. Mad Dog Blitz and Cover 2, and I have no idea about defensive concepts. Think about it. Oh, my goodness, my man, you are preaching to the choir. I, I've been joking with Jeff. Dude, you got to hang up. This is our show. Someone is taking you away from the show right now. <laughs> my gosh, man. If you call this program, you're calling this program to go on the air. Josh is the co-host, not your therapist off the air. Oh, my goodness, man. That was like 20 minutes. I'm sorry. That was the whole commercial. Is everything okay? Yeah, they just want to know how they can listen. Oh, you're such a kind fella. I did spend about five minutes on the phone with someone today too because i answered the office phone it's a pleasant experience but i always joke about this with jeff schwartz and he's one of my favorite guys on the planet he thinks that people don't understand or care about offensive line play because none of the video games that you've ever played growing up make sure that your offensive line is good you need the fastest receivers and the strongest armed quarterback and that's it i think it's just because the <laughs> The football's not in an offensive guard's right. hand. And so to your point, K-Dub, it's, it's funny because I've had this exact conversation many times, and it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. I don't know if it is the video game society or exactly what it is, but it is funny how you'll have people that are more apt to, to be the expert on offense than they are to be the expert on defense. Uh, the 918, there is no way that you won the lot plank. If you won the lottery, you would just disappear. You would have a 24-hour radio show and do nonstop radio. Actually, you guys have to understand, I do all this so I can play golf. That's all I care about is playing golf. That's it. That's why I do this. I'm not any good at golf, but I love playing it. I love being on the course. So you might be. I might have like a live stream going 24-7, but no. No, 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 no. The plank 
I would be network. gone in a heartbeat. Well, you could uh, you could start your I own could, network. I could actually, you know what? If I won the lottery, I'd buy the station. I'd buy the station. That's what I would take. So Casey Bryan, I'll buy it from you. I, I think they might be onto something. We'd probably keep doing the show. And then I'd fire everybody. No, I'm kidding. Um, Understandably so. Who are OU's likely bowl opponents? I, you know, I, I don't. I don't buy right now. It's a slam dunk to the Alamo. Maybe it's wishful thinking, but the the Alamo people had been at the last two Oklahoma games, so I, I completely see they won Oklahoma. OU Arizona being something that everybody is slam dunking right now, and I get it, but I don't know. I I, I still think you're in the top twelve now. I think a New Year's Day six poll is very much in the conversation. I think we all just assumed, like, why in the world would you want Missouri over Oklahoma? You wouldn't. Why would you want Ole Miss? Uh, so, and that might be homerism, and that's fine. But to me, it makes a heck of a lot more sense for Oklahoma. And where your rank doesn't matter, just so we're clear. So, well, Missouri's nine. No, it doesn't matter. It's who the Bulls want. Yeah. It's who the Bulls want. And the only bowl that has a tie where they have to take the champion of a league is what, the Orange Bowl? And it's tied into, what, the ACC and, God, I want to say the Big Ten. I know whoever doesn't win the ACC championship is going to that bowl game. That's that's one thing I know for certain. But outside, I think it's wide open. I really do. I am not counting out OU for uh, New Year's Day Six Bowl. Nor should you. But everyone's talking about Arizona in the Alamo Bowl right now. That seems to be the most consistent projection I've had. All right, top five stories today. Coming up next, it's the ref.